With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is April the 1st, 2022, uh, April Fool's Day. My goodness gracious. And it appears that the average American citizen is being played for a fool by the Biden administration and by all too many politicians from both parties uh, with dire consequences for America and Americans. Uh, you know, my focus is on immigration, and very often people think of immigration as a single issue. What I want to underscore is what I've always said, that immigration is not a single issue, but a singular issue because it impacts nearly every other challenge and threat that our nation and our fellow citizens face. And that's not a statement of xenophobia. That's a statement of reality. And far too, far too long, <clears throat> the open borders crowd, and you could find those critters in both parties, both parties um, have been advocates for open borders, the destruction of America's sovereignty, and the ability for corporations to bring in an army of foreign workers, and not just the illegals, it's with high-tech visas and other work visas. We're educating foreign students while ignoring American students. We have a country that does not represent the best interests of our citizens, I am sad to tell you tonight, but that's not a news bulletin. We've known this for far too long. I believe that that was why Donald Trump won the election. Now, the American people still don't understand the magnitude of the immigration crisis or the fact that it goes well beyond that Mexican border we hear so much about. But please understand that the laws of the United States are crystal clear about immigration. That's why they keep saying they want to modernize the immigration laws. What they want to do is strip out of the immigration laws the notion that American workers should get priority over foreign workers. The Democrat Party may talk a good game, oh, we're here to help the American workers. They are doing everything they can to cut the American workers off at the knee, but then so have the Republicans because they are bought and paid for. Campaign contributions are bribes, period, full stop, end of sentence, bribes. Why are you being bribed? You're being bribed to do those things that you normally would not do. I I just want to use an analogy, and then I want to get into the materials for today because we have a lot of territory to cover. But imagine a guy with a fancy sports car living in a small town, likes to speed. He's got that Ferrari or that Lamborghini or that McLaren or that Corvette fill in the space. I'm a car guy. You know, I've always been about cars and sports cars and 
flying. You know, if it moves quick, I'm interested. The need for speed. Well, this guy has the need for speed. He's tooling around town, and there's a beautiful stretch of road right near the lake, let's say. And he thinks, gee whiz, why is the speed limit 35? I wish it was 60. I could really get into driving 60 on this stretch of road. And one day, let's say we have two drivers, two situations. Driver one decides he's going he's to throw caution to the wind and goes zipping down the road at 70 miles an hour, gets pulled over by a police officer for speeding 70 in a 35-mile zone. And foolishly, the guy offers the cop a bribe, and he's promptly arrested. They slap the handcuffs on him, and this guy is charged with the attempted bribery of a public official, as well he should be. The other guy who also has a, a real hot sports car, same situation, but he doesn't want to lose his license. He doesn't want to get arrested. So he goes to the mayor of the town who's running for re-election, and it's a tough race coming up. And he says to the mayor, Mr. Mayor, I'd love to contribute to your campaign. But, you know, in this life, I do for you, you do for me. And the mayor says, well, what do you want me to do for you? There is this incredible stretch of road next to this incredible lake. You can see the mountains in the distance. Oh, my gosh, it looks like a painting. It doesn't look real. But 35 miles an hour really cramps my style. I would love it if you could change the speed limit on that road to 70 miles an hour so I could really enjoy my car, save a little time commuting to and from work, and have a smile on my face all day. Now, of course, you're under no obligation, but I'd love if you would do it. And by the way, I'm willing to give you $20,000 for your campaign. And I know how much money matters in political campaigns, so you could buy airtime on the local radio, the local TV station, maybe put an ad in the newspaper. I'm willing to write you that check. But I'm just curious, are you willing to consider changing the speed limit now technically of course the mayor isn't changing the speed limit for that campaign contribution however you see where that goes bribe a cop you go to jail bribe a politician it's called a campaign contribution that's where we are today and it's been reported that over a billion dollars gets spent by each political candidate to the presidency a billion dollars my goodness gracious this is not what the founding fathers had in mind i can assure you it's insanity what's also insane is that the supreme court back in the 60s i believe it was rendered a decision that corporations are constituents how is that possible we the people is not the same as we the corporations or we the ceos when you start doing the bidding of corporations, American workers get left out in the cold, okay? Understand where we are and how corrupt this has become. We've turned America basically into a banana republic. In fact, I've often said that they need a new position in the government, cabinet level. I mean, this is big stuff. And you know what the position is that we need? The official auctioneer. What am I bid for the future of our country, the future of our children, the sovereignty of our nation, and the security of America? By the way, having mentioned the word sovereignty, I can't ignore the parallel. 
Russia wanted to end the sovereignty or wants to end the sovereignty of Ukraine. Citizens of Ukraine have been dying because of it, and others have been valiantly and gallantly risking and laying down their lives to preserve their country's sovereignty. And Joe Biden and his political cohorts are doing everything imaginable and unimaginable to quickly and irrevocably destroy the sovereignty of the United States of America. I just want you to think about that contrast. It's a study in contrasts. I want you to also understand that our borders don't only exist along that Rio Grande line that separates the United States from Mexico. We are, as I've often mentioned, a country of 50 border states. There's the northern border that separates the United States from Canada. Our country has roughly 95,000 miles of coastline. We also have international airports in virtually every state. Every state, consequently, is a border state. And when aliens run the border, they don't stay near the border for long. It's not like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin going to the moon where they planted a flag, grabbed some rocks, jumped back into the lunar module, and headed back up to rendezvous with Apollo so they could go back to Earth. The aliens who enter our country illegally or by any other means generally move around the United States. And today, in point of fact, the Biden administration is facilitating the movement of illegal aliens around America. If you or I did it, we would go to jail for violation of 8 U.S.C. 1324. That makes aiding, abetting, encouraging, inducing, harboring, shielding, smuggling aliens to enter the country illegally or remain thereafter illegally a felony. But, of course, as um, Sylvester Stallone said in in, uh, Judge Dredd, I am the law. And that seems to be the attitude of our politicians. The laws apply to us, but not to them. They've decided through Alejandro Mayorkas that immigration fraud would basically not be punished. But the Biden administration wants to hire an army of tens of thousands of IRS agents so that if you make a mistake in your tax return, they will come for you. You are an American. You better not make mistakes on that tax return. But if aliens lie through their teeth on their immigration applications... Not to worry. We will protect you. Mayorkas made that point, and Mayorkas has one hell of a checkered past. The Republicans, to their credit, raised that issue during his confirmation hearings, but the Democrats just shrugged their shoulders and said, we don't care what this guy did or didn't do. He's our guy. During the Obama administration, Alejandro Mayorkas was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, the agency that adjudicates applications for every immigration benefit. By the way, you should know that I did my very first congressional hearing on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before 9-11. The topic was immigration benefits fraud and visa fraud and was predicated on two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. We had a Pakistani by the name of Kansi in January 93 buy into a courier van service Airplanes haven't been used in any terror attacks that I'm aware of since 9-11, by the way. It's all motor vehicles, and we're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens who are, quote, undocumented. That means that we don't know who the hell they are. So he bought into a courier van service, drove into the parking lot at the CIA because that van had a sticker that enabled him to drive into that van, into that parking lot, rather, with that van, Jumped out not with packages that cold morning in January of 93, but with an AK-47, an open fire, 
killing two CIA officers, wounding three others, and fleeing the country. That's something that bad guys from other countries can do, whether they're criminals, terrorists, drug dealers, doesn't matter. If they can get out of the United States frequently, they're able to evade the long arm of the law, but given the nature of the crimes he committed, our guys tracked him down, brought him back. He was put on trial, found guilty. He was executed, but it certainly didn't bring back the dead. Didn't heal the wounds of those he had wounded. And a month later, we had the bombing at the Trade Center. And again, you had Middle Eastern men who had one way or the other lied, gamed the immigration system, lied about political asylum, committed immigration fraud, and were able to carry out the attack that almost toppled the tower sideways, which, if it had happened, would have killed hundreds of thousands, potentially. As it was, six died, over a thousand were injured, and there was a half billion dollars in damages inflicted. What did we learn from that lesson? Not much. Not much. So Mayorkas comes along, and he orders, when he's the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, I call that agency under DHS America's locksmith, because green cards, passports, immigration benefits are truly the keys to the kingdom. And he ordered his people to get to yes. That was his famous thing. Get to yes. Don't tell me why you can't approve it. Approve that petition. Approve that application. Approve that visa. Approve that citizenship. And when people complained and said legally we're not justified, he said you will approve it or I will demote you, I will move you, you will face consequences. Approve it, approve it, approve it. Get out that approval stamp. Unbelievable. He was even warned by the FBI and investigators from Homeland Security that in one particular case, a company had ties to potential terrorist organizations, as was reported, by the way, by ABC News. And by the way, the adjudicators at Citizenship and Immigration Services were so distraught over the illegal orders that he was giving, Mayorkas was giving, that they went to the Office of Inspector General, Internal Affairs, and that was a gutsy move. I've been down that road. It's not fun being a whistleblower. And they found malfeasance. It appeared that he was making decisions based on politics, not on law. Think about that, including an application from a company that had a link to Terry McAuliffe, linked to the Clintons. You would think that that should have ended his career. He's lucky you would think he wasn't prosecuted, perhaps, but nope, kept his job, and then he got promoted. He now runs the entire Department of Homeland Security for the Biden administration, and he has made it clear that he will not take any action against applications for citizenship when there's fraud involved, unless we know they're war criminals. Other than that, we're going to protect you because you're an American. Really? If you lie, you shouldn't be an American, and we could strip you of your citizenship. It happens. I've been involved with several cases like that. Nazi war criminals lost their citizenship for lying. Terrorists have been instructed to get citizenship so they can get a U.S. passport and retain their original passport with two passports. They alternate the passports they travel on, and they cover their tracks as they move around the world, threatening not only America but our allies. That's how significant this is. But he's made it clear, we will not pursue fraud investigations. So let me, before I get into the specifics of the case I want to look at today involving a citizen of China, I want to start out by reading a paragraph, and I've read this before on the air, forgive me for the repetition, but I want to keep making the point because I cannot make this point frequently or forcefully enough. 
One of the reports that was issued in conjunction with the attacks of 9-11, and as you probably know, I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. The 9-11 staff that consisted of federal agents and attorneys issued another report called 9-11 and terrorist travel. They were so concerned about the nexus between immigration failures and terrorism and our vulnerabilities that they issued a separate report that was published by the U.S. government printing office. This was an official report. This wasn't a tabloid. This wasn't a magazine. This was published by the government of the United States of America, okay? Obviously, it's an authentic, credible report. The preface of that report laid out why they did the separate report in the first place. Let me read the first paragraph of the report. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Let me just stop for a moment. How idiotic do you have to be to not understand that if you can't keep terrorists and criminals and enemy combatants out of your country, you can't defend your country? We lock our doors at night, don't we? Houses come equipped with doorbells and door locks and peepholes. Why? So if a stranger comes calling, you could look through the peephole and decide whether it's safe to let the person in. But the geniuses who run our government, these imbeciles, didn't realize that border security was a matter of national security. Just, I want the enormity of that to just seep in slowly. Like when we used to percolate coffee and, and, and the water would, would go through the, the coffee grinds until you had a cup of coffee. I want this to seep in as it goes drip, 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 and you realize the enormity of the stupidity of the people that we put in charge of our country, the safety of our families, the future of our children. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. Prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Boy, I think that's all you need to know to understand why I have a real serious problem sleeping at night. But it goes on, so let's continue. Indeed, even uh, – right, that, let me, I'll back up. No agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. Again, is that idiotic or what? We believe, for reasons that we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. And let me read a little bit more, because this really lays it out. Congress gave the commission, meaning the 9-11 commission, the mandate to study, evaluate, and report on immigration, non-immigrant visas, and border security as these areas relate to the events of 9-11. The staff report represents 14 months of such research. It is based on thousands of pages of documents we reviewed from the State Department, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Defense, and approximately 25 briefings on various border security topics and more than 200 interviews. We are grateful to all who assisted and supported us along the way. The story begins with a factual overview of the September 11 border story. This introduction summarizes many of the key facts of the hijackers' entry into the United States. In it, we endeavored to dispel the myth that their entry into the United States was, quote, clean and illegal. It was not. 
Three hijackers carried passports with indicators of extremism linked to al-Qaeda. Two others carried passports manipulated in a fraudulent manner. It is likely that several more hijackers carried passports with similar fraudulent manipulation. Two hijackers lied on their visa applications, right? Once in the United States, two hijackers violated the terms of their visas. One overstayed his visa, and all but one obtained some form of state identification. We know that six of the hijackers used these state-issued identifications to check in for their flights on September 11, and three of them were fraudulently obtained. What are we doing? We're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. You see where state ID is critical. We're ignoring immigration fraud. The border, according to the 9-11 Commission, isn't the Mexican border alone. They didn't even mention the Mexican border. What are they talking about? Visas. Visas are a critical element of border security. When was the last time you saw any station talking about visas? What, the 12th of never? See, TV is a visual medium. I, I, I used to be a regular on Lou Dobbs tonight when he was at CNN. I was on frequently more than once a week. And when I wasn't on, they were frequently calling me at home and saying, Mike, what's this law or what's that law? Or how does this work or how does that not work? But Lou loved to put up those images of illegal aliens jumping the border because it's visual. It's easy to comprehend. There's nothing very exciting about somebody adjudicating an application for a visa, I guess. But handing someone a visa means you're handing them the key to the kingdom. If the Biden administration turned around tomorrow and said, you know what, we are bombing in the polls, we're, we've just eliminated or are about to eliminate Title 42, we're going to talk about that presently, just give me a couple minutes. So we've got to at least create the illusion that we're meeting the demands of the Americans. Let's finish the damn wall. Let's put concertine wire on top of it and run 100,000 volts of electricity through it. Let's say they did all that. If I give you a green card, you simply stroll through a port of entry, and you will be embraced and welcomed home. That's how important visas are. Visas circumvent border walls and all other sorts of structures. Think about that. When was the last time you heard anything about the visa process? Think. I don't care what network you're listening to. I've been doing a number of interviews at Newsmax. I was just on One American News so I talk about it there. But when was the last time you heard anybody, on Fox even, talking about the visa process or interior enforcement? All we keep hearing is the gotaways and how many were caught at the border and the numbers are up and the border and the border and the border. We don't have a border wall. The border towns are overwhelmed. What border towns? Ladies and gentlemen, America is overwhelmed. The Biden administration is moving millions of illegal aliens clear across the country, never to be seen again. Now, how dangerous is that? Well, let's see. Let's read another section of, the 9/11, of this 9-11 staff report on terrorist travel, the commission um, staff report on terrorist travel. Once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. When was the last time you heard that anywhere or even from politicians? They all want amnesty. A woman by the name of Maria, I believe it's Salazar from Florida, Republican, wants a massive amnesty for millions of illegal aliens. And her BS nonsense, well, if they've been here for more than five years, how do you know? Aliens who run the border do not create a record of entry. There is no capacity to interview millions. Let me tell you that right off the bat. Zero interviews, zero field investigations. 
All the adjudicator will have in front of him or her is the application with the answers to the questions filled out. And if they claim they've been here for 10 years or whatever, they're in. They're in. Okay? So somebody could come to America eight months from yesterday and put down in the application that they entered the United States in 2004. Who's going to contradict them? Most illegal aliens use multiple false identities. They can come up with fake bills. We saw this with the Reagan administration back in 1986. His amnesty that was supposed to involve a million illegals wound up involving almost four million. And that's a lie also, because the media doesn't want you to know that most of those aliens who got lawful status, nearly four million of them, most likely applied for many family members, children, spouses initially, and then when they became citizens, brothers, sisters, and their families. That's chain migration. Bringing in your family is not. And I agree that when an alien... Uh, legally immigrate, they should be able to bring their nuclear family with them. That's not chain migration. But no one talks about, let's say, each alien on average brings in four or five kids. So Reagan's amnesty wasn't about nearly four million, but maybe 20 million. But they don't want you to know that. Just like they keep saying, there's 11 million illegals, there's 11 million. They've been using 11 million for the last 15 years. It's like a clown car. Fox News yesterday reported 11.6, I believe, with the caravans, with everything, 11.6. Yale University, three or four years ago, estimated more than double that number. But don't let anybody know that because it might get the American people agitated. And the goal here is to flood America with cheap foreign workers and customers and all sorts of people because that's what the Chamber of Commerce wants. That's what the immigration law firms want. This is a delivery system for them. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap labor, an unlimited supply of of, of foreign tourists and foreign students. And for the law firms, an unlimited supply of clients. Both parties, immigration lawyers. Zoe Lofgren, who's now the chair of the immigration subcommittee in the House, is an immigration lawyer. Um, she's highly involved or heavily involved with the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Bob Goodlatte, the former Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee that oversees immigration, among other things, including the FBI and DEA and the Marshal Service and the prisons and the courts, well, Bob Goodlatte was an immigration lawyer who specialized in H-1B visas, both parties. It's a delivery system. Don't you dare tell the truth because you might interfere with that delivery system. It's more efficient than FedEx or UPS combined. Never mind that you're violating the findings of the 9-11 Commission that was convened to protect us from a next attack. The hell with that. And we've had more attacks since 9-11. And virtually every attack that involved an alien involved an alien who committed fraud. Simple as that. San Bernardino, that attack, the Boston Marathon bombers, they lied, they claimed political asylum, and they immediately went back to Russia. If you can't go back to Russia, you need asylum. Why would you go back to Russia once we gave you asylum, right? Think about it. So they all lied. And what do we do about it? Spupkis. Nothing. Nada. As in not a damn thing. If I sound upset, I am. You should be too. So anyway, it says that once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alim, involved in both the World Trade Center and Landmarks plot, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Worker Program after falsely claiming to pick beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita 
Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. So the guy that rented the truck and the guy that drove the truck for the 93 bombing at the Trade Center were illegal aliens, but they were able to rent the truck in the United States, and you can do it again today. Because the states like New York and Illinois and California and Pennsylvania and New Jersey give illegal aliens driver's licenses. And by the way, if you think, well, I don't live in one of those screwed up states, I'm okay, I'm safe. No, you're not safe. You are as much at risk as I am here in New York City because you could take a New York license or a California license or, or an Illinois license, whatever, and go to any other state and rent a car, rent a van, rent a truck. So they have all these barriers up to protect against car bombs and truck bombs, but we have no idea who the hell is driving the vehicles. I think these people are looking for the MVP award from the terrorists, from the drug cartels, God knows. So then it goes on, this is again that 9-11 staff report, the commission staff report, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, how many are here in the United States, I wonder, right? corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have, quote, the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. And finally, page 98, immigration benefits, same report, terrorists in the 1990s as well as the September 11th hijackers needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans would come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status. That was DACA, by the way, boys and girls. DACA was temporary worker status, okay? Or applying for asylum, as they all are now, right? Applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Folks, the line for adjudication now goes years into the future because of how many have flooded into the country thanks to Mr. Biden, okay? Let me just finish this, though. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Let that word sink in. Terrorists. They're free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. What more do I have to read to you? What was the point to these reports and the hearings if not to get the government to do what's necessary to protect us? What is happening now is in 180-degree direct opposition to what the 9-11 Commission said should be done to protect us. You want to talk about malfeasance? A police officer in the heat of the moment where his or her life is on the line fires around and then with weeks to deliberate decide on it over coffee and lunch in an air-conditioned room where the lives of the people making the decisions are not on the line, they may well decide that that police officer who acted in that moment acted improperly 
and the walls come down around this poor officer's head. Oh, my God. They're lucky if all they do is get fired. They may be prosecuted, all terrible things. But in the heat of the moment, you've got a split second, you act, and boom, there's the consequences. No politician, to my knowledge, has ever gone to jail or ever been fired because they failed to follow the 9-11 Commission report. And people have died since 9-11. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the deaths are continuing. And more attacks have happened, and other attacks have been thwarted. And the Biden administration is almost acting as though it's in concert with what al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas, and all the other groups want. Wide open borders. In fact, they found a prayer among the belongings of the 9-11 hijackers where they prayed to Allah that the doors for them be opened, meaning the doors to the United States. I guess Biden might think he's Allah. He's so confused. Because he certainly has opened the doors. He's opened the floodgates. You would think that if you have people committing immigration fraud, visa fraud, to enter the country, that you would want to get to the bottom of it, because if one person is doing it, others are probably doing it. So there is a press release that was issued by the Justice Department, and if you look at my website for the radio show, there's a link. Click on that. You can read the DOJ report. I urge you to read this after the program. The title of this report that was issued March 30th, just two days ago, it's current information, folks. Man charged with transnational repression campaign while acting as an illegal agent of the Chinese government in the United States. Let me, let me begin reading this to you, because there's an interesting sentence that you will hear very shortly. This is, again, the press release from DOJ. A Chinese national is charged in a criminal complaint, which was unsealed today in the Southern District of New York, with conspiring to act in the United States as an illegal agent of the People's Republic of China, or the PRC. According to court documents, Sun Hoi Ying, a.k.a. Sun Haiying, 45 of the PRC, People's Republic of China, from at least February 2017 through February 2022, acted in the United States as an agent of the PRC government without notifying the U.S. Attorney General as required by law. Quote, this case demonstrates once again PRC's disdain for the rule of law and its efforts to coerce and intimidate those it targets on our shores as part of its Operation Fox Hunt, said Assistant Attorney General for National Security, Matthew G. Olson. Quote, the defendant allegedly traveled to the United States and enlisted others, including a sworn law enforcement officer, to, swear, to spy on and blackmail his victims. Such conduct is both criminal and reprehensible. He entered the United States to carry out crimes. In order to enter the United States, ladies and gentlemen, he would have to have applied for and received a visa. If you lie on a visa application, you're looking at 10 years in jail. By the way, if that visa application involves terrorism, you could be looking at 25 years in jail. A couple of weeks ago, I, I missed last week's show. We had a family celebration, and I try to put family ahead of all else. We all should do that. That's what's most important, the people we love, the people who are our close friends. Don't lose sight of your priorities. Don't lose sight of your priorities, right? Life is a balancing act. So I wasn't here last week. I apologize, but I will be back again next week after this show. But 
two weeks ago, I wrote about how a member of the armed forces in the reserves is alleged to have been given a bribe to provide letters to at least 20 citizens of Afghanistan in which he claimed that they worked to help the U.S. government help him when, in fact, they didn't, according to the allegations. So there was fraud. Guess who did not participate in that investigation? And the answer is simple, the Department of Homeland Security. Who has primary responsibility? Well, it's a toss-up between State Department and DHS. However, neither State Department nor DHS participated in that investigation involving visa fraud. So the, the individual in that case was being charged with accepting a bribe, which is a felony, and conspiracy to commit visa fraud, but not with visa fraud itself. He applied for a visa for another individual. That's visa fraud. But the people pursuing the investigation and the prosecution came not from immigration, but the military. So I'm sure they didn't have the expertise to understand how it really works. Why didn't DHS participate? I don't know. Ask Joe. Ask Alejandro. Okay? I would say ask Harris, but she's lost uh, giggling somewhere in the corner. I mean, what are we doing? And they only said two counts. Why would it be two counts when there were 20 people at least involved? And I think that they didn't want DHS or State Department involved because if they got involved, they might find more people who were involved this way. And remember what Mayorkas said. I will protect anyone who lies on an application to citizenship because you are entitled to feel secure in our country. I guess even when you commit crimes. Wow. It takes my breath away. So when you continue to read this document, you find out there are other people who came to the United States, allegedly from China, to coerce people from China who are in our country to get them to do the bidding of the, public, the People's Republic of China. People who legally immigrate to the United States are being harassed and targeted by a hostile government. They're not getting the protection from our government, but the illegal aliens who come here are. Think about the enormity of what I just said to you. Don't you think that if this government was for real, they would say, let's launch an investigation into visa fraud? Perhaps somebody at the consulate or the embassy where the visa was issued to this guy was corrupt? Maybe there were more people who got visas from this person? Don't you think they should launch an investigation to find out what the process was that enabled an agent of the Chinese government to get a visa to come to the United States and carry out the crimes for which he's charged? That, to me, would be the immediate concern. How many more are there out there? Are they here? How did they get here? Are more coming? Can we flag them? Can we stop this? You've had a burglary. You call in the locksmith. He changes the locks. He secures the windows. Why? Because you don't want to get burglarized again. How do you do that here? You launch a massive investigation, considering the enormity of the risk that we're facing, to identify the method that this individual used to get that visa to come to the United States and operate within our borders for a period of roughly five years. That should be the priority if this government was for real. But then again, when you look at smoking Joe's son and the money, literally smoking Joe's, and what is he smoking, we all know. Sorry to crack jokes about Hunter. Goodness gracious. So maybe... They just don't want to know how deep this, this, this channel runs through the process because who knows, maybe someone's getting blackmailed, maybe not, but that's always the risk. 
That's why whenever I had to re-up my security clearance, because I had a top-secret clearance, they would go into details about any contact I might have with foreign governments. And as an immigration agent, I worked closely with foreign governments, but I had to detail what that relationship was in depth and answer any and all questions I was given to make certain that everything I did was kosher and above board. That's rational, normal, proper, sensible. Why is no one apparently digging into the notion that visa fraud was committed by this foreign agent operating within our borders? That should be the very first consideration of the Department of Homeland Surrender. Did I say surrender? Yeah, I guess it is the Department of Homeland Surrender, isn't it? That should be Mayorkas' immediate knee-jerk response. How did this guy get a visa, and what are we doing to make sure it doesn't happen again? Nope, we're not going to do that. Maybe we can invite many more in. Who knows? Folks, this is dangerous beyond words. This is a betrayal of everything that this country is supposed to stand for. This isn't xenophobia. This is common sense. I hope I'm giving you food for thought. Really, I do. I wrote a massive article for the social contract. They now publish U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org. I write for them. I write for Front Page Magazine. And I wrote an extensive article and was entitled Immigration Fraud, The Lies That Kill. Because it's by committing fraud that the terrorists were able to come to the country. It's by committing fraud that spies come to our country. I fear that because of fraud or because of our open borders, we will have enemy combatants, perhaps from Russia, China, Iran, God knows, entering the country. And there have been open hearings about how Iran, through Hezbollah, is operating throughout Latin America, moving drugs and sleeper agents into the United States. You would think this would be a concern to the President of the United States. And for those who thump the, the, the Constitution, oh, what they want to do is unconstitutional. What do you mean, make aliens accountable? Check out Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. Article 4, Section 4 states that the state that to be provided with a Republican form of government and guaranteed protection against invasion and domestic violence. This is an invasion, folks. I don't know any other way of describing it. Anyway, forgive me for my rant, but I am livid. And now the Biden administration says that they're going to terminate Title 42, something that was employed by the Trump administration. Let me read to you Title 42. I'm sure you're hearing a lot about it. Someone should read it to you, and I haven't heard anybody on TV reading it. I'm going to read it to you. It's short. It's sweet. It's clear. Suspension of entries and imports from designated places to prevent the spread of communicable diseases. Okay? Quote, whenever the Surgeon General, that's the Center for Disease Control, that's Fauci, boys and girls, whenever the Surgeon General determines that by reason of the existence of any communicable disease in a foreign country that there is a serious danger of the introduction of such disease into the United States, and that this danger is so increased by the introduction of persons or property from such country that a suspension of the right to introduce such persons and property is required in the interest of public health. The Surgeon General, in accordance with the regulations approved by the President, shall have the power to prohibit in whole or in part the introduction of persons and property from such countries or places as he shall designate in order to avert such dangers and for such period of time as he may deem necessary 
for the purpose, for such purpose. How clear is that? Because of COVID, we've had shutdowns. We're wearing masks. We're getting in- injections, right, inoculations. Members of the New York City Police Department, the Fire Department, have been fired by the mayor of New York City because they refuse to take vaccines. And even now that the restrictions are being lifted, the city doesn't want to rehire them. Why? They're endangered to public health, and they didn't do the orders they were given. They were bad children. They're going to be punished by being fired when we've never needed them more than we need them now. Fauci is warning that we can have a resurgence. We don't know. There might be a resurgence. Really, China is on lockdown. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying there may be a resurgence, but we are going to stop blocking aliens from coming to the country because of COVID. I want someone to explain how those two things make sense. We're expecting a blizzard tomorrow, boys and girls, so don't forget to wear shorts and your flip-flops. What? I mean, isn't that the equivalent? We're expecting eight inches of snow. Don't forget to wear your flip-flops to school. We're looking for frostbite here. This is madness. By the way, when Trump said we're not going to allow aliens in, and we still hear this on all the networks, well, he was blocking the aliens from Muslim-majority countries. No, he wasn't. It was aliens from countries that were involved with terrorism, and we were unable to vet those people coming here, so the threat of terrorism was very real. And initially, the same list that Trump used was the list used by Obama, by the way, but the media conveniently forgets to mention that. And what does that section of law say? Well, this is Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182F, suspension of entry, imposition of restrictions by president. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Aliens with green cards can be kept out of the United States under that section of law. The president can stand up tomorrow and say, not a single foreign national will be allowed into America for the next nine months. Perfectly legal. The immigration laws are clear. The United States is not under any obligation whatsoever to admit a single alien into the United States. The discretion to do so is controlled by our government specifically to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. It's in the law. It has nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. The president is about to take down Section 42. And you know what's going to happen? A human tsunami. Why? Because the aliens around the world are watching to see what happens. It's not just from Latin America. Record numbers of Russians, from what I've been reading, have been encountered at the border. I wonder why. I wonder why. Could they be enemy combatants? Could they be saboteurs? Who knows? The Immigration Service used to live under the Labor Department during the Roosevelt administration because the big concern back then was the Depression. Roosevelt did not want American workers competing with foreign workers. That makes perfect sense. Again, looking out for American workers. Perfect sense. But when we had German saboteurs come to America in U-boats and land on the shores of Long Island and Florida, they moved immigration to the Justice Department because it was clear that this wasn't just a matter of economics. It was a matter of national security and public safety. So you have a president who is saying, we're going to eliminate Title 42. 
and we're going to open the borders and let them all in, and we're going to disperse them across the country so that it will be impossible to undo the damage he's doing. And this is just the Mexican border. We have no idea what's happening on the Canadian border. No one's reporting on it. We have no idea how many ships may be bringing aliens along the coastline. I can still remember when we got that call in the middle of the night, the Golden Adventure, the Golden Venture, rather, uh, a, a beat-up old scow of a ship ran aground in the Rockaways with hundreds of illegal aliens on board. How many more are there that get by our detection? How many times does a fishing boat leave from a quiet marina, head out to the middle of the ocean, and come back not with the five fishermen who went out, but 35 fishermen because they picked up people at sea on a boat? I can assure you what happens. And what do we do about it? Fuckus. Why? Because this is the immigration delivery system. Could you imagine anybody blocking FedEx or the U.S. mail? You interfere with the mail, you go to jail. I guess if you interfere with this delivery system, they'll look to punish you also. This is a delivery system. And I think that part of the other goal, and I've written about it, and the title of my article was that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. If you destroy the wages and jobs for Americans, you make Americans dependent on the government for subsistence. Once you make people subsist, um, uh, um, addicted to the help from the government, dependent on the, go- the help from the government, you control them. The analogy that I use is when I was a kid and I had an allowance, my mother could tell me what I could or could not spend my allowance on. When I got my first job, what I did with that money was for me to decide. Of course, I certainly listened to my parents' advice. Uh, I love them tremendously. Tragically, I lost them to cancer when I was in college. I'd give anything for, for another dinner with them or another hug. Uh, it's been so many decades, but I still stand on their shoulders. But the point was, when my mom gave me my allowance, she could say, I don't want you buying comic books, and I had to listen to her. If I didn't, that was the end of my allowance. When I earned that money and I wanted to buy, I used to love reading Flash and Superman and Batman. I'd go to the store and I'd buy a comic book. That was my money. I earned it. The same thing here. These politicians are the quintessential control freaks. These are the people that were ignored by their so-called friends back in school. Their friends probably tried to convince them to play hide-and-seek so they would go hide, except nobody would look for them. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Would you want to go look for them? I wouldn't. Goodness gracious. Uh, But seriously, this is about gaining totalitarian control over the population. That is not what freedom looks or sounds like or smells like. We're on the path to totalitarianism, and I wish people would stop calling them liberals. Full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I consider myself a liberal, but in the truest sense of the term liberal, meaning that I'm willing to accept that other people have other viewpoints. It's kind of a libertarian viewpoint that I have. Who am I to tell you how to live your life unless you're endangering someone else's safety? That's a whole other story. That's what liberalism used to be. You know, the notion of I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That used to be the motto of the ACLU. Boy, have they changed. They have an iron fist where all of this is concerned. And I'm going to be writing an article, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, about lawfare. How law schools are convincing lawyers to be agents of change across a wide spectrum of issues in the United States. This is why you have prosecutors who think they are defense attorneys, I believe. 
As a federal agent, I worked closely with prosecutors. It was a team. We had lunch together. We sat down. We strategized together. How do we get enough evidence? How do we make it clear that this individual needs um, to be put in jail for a lengthy jail sentence because he's a threat? I used to argue bail for the U.S. attorneys. The U.S. attorneys, many of them at the top positions, not, not the, the bottom rung, but the attorneys general for various states don't even want bail. Why would you not want bail to put someone in jail so they can't hurt more people? Why? Well, because they've bought into this notion that they are agents of change. They're waging lawfare against America. They're waging lawfare against Americans. That's where we are. But when I look at what Biden is doing, he's doing irreparable damage. And God forbid if there's a terrorist attack, I would love to know what he would say. I mean, he might say that it was some radical whites who did it. God only knows we seem to be the, the, the devil of choice these days. You know, um, families, parents who went to school board meetings and spoke out against critical race theory were branded as domestic terrorists. Really? What children need are parents involved in their future. That's an anathema to what they want. Look what's going on in Florida right now with all that nonsense. I have never seen our country in such a state, I have to tell you. I've never seen a bigger bunch of wackaloon politicians in my life. The American people need to wake up. This isn't a left-right issue, folks. And we need to have conversations with our neighbors. The facts are irrefutable. The impact is irrefutable. If you're going to tell us that we need lockdowns and vaccinations and masks and all this other stuff, people losing their jobs over it, businesses closing, people, as Trump predicted, becoming involved with alcoholism and drugs and suicide because they were shut off from the rest of the world and isolated. That's not how human beings are supposed to live. It goes against our DNA. Um, and we've seen that damage done. But now it's okay, and it's been okay for how long since Biden came in to flood America with aliens who may well be carrying that disease or other dangerous, deadly diseases. The simple question that every damn politician should be asked on every level of government, if we had real journalists, is how are your policies and proposals in the best interests of the people who live within your jurisdiction? How are your proposals in the best interests of Americans? How does it help Americans that we flood America with millions of people whose identities can't be verified so we don't know if they have affiliations with criminal or terrorist organizations. How is it in the best interest of Americans that we admit more foreign workers into the United States than the number of new jobs that we're creating? How is it in the best interest that we flood American schools with children who can't speak, read, or write English because around 2006 or 2007, the Congressional Budget Office did a study on the economic impact of illegal immigration and made an interesting determination. They found that it costs 20 to 40% more to educate children who are not English proficient. Just admitting large numbers of kids into our schools creates a tremendous burden because you have to hire many more teachers, schools become overcrowded, you need more classroom space, etc., etc. Now add to that how much more difficult it is to educate children who can't read or write English. How is that in the best interest of the average American family? How is it in the best interest 
of the average American that we're allowing narcotics in unprecedented numbers to flow into our country. And last year, more than 100,000 died of drug overdoses. How is that in America's best interest? These are simple questions, folks. I don't care if you're with the hopping kangaroo party. I would demand answers to that. Why should Americans be happy that our borders are being erased by this administration or that people who lie on applications for United States citizenship will have nothing to fear, but if you make a mistake on your tax return, expect to knock on your door? Or if you go to a school board meeting and oppose critical race theory, the FBI might put you on their naughty list as a, as a, uh, as, as a terrorist, a domestic terrorist. Is this the government that Abraham Lincoln envisioned when he spoke of a country of the people, by the people, for the people? You know, it's interesting to me, but everyone is comparing, or many people have been comparing Ukraine President Zelensky to uh, Winston Churchill. So in the little bit of time that we have, um, here we are, I want to read something from the History Channel. Churchill delivers the Iron Curtain speech. This was March 5, 1946. In one of the most famous orations of the Cold War period, former Prime Minister, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill condemns the Soviet policies in Europe and declares, from Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an Iron Curtain has descended across the continent. Churchill's speech is considered one of the opening volleys announcing the beginnings of the Cold War. Churchill, who had been defeated for re-election as Prime Minister in 1945, was invited to Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, where he gave his speech. President Harry S. Truman joined Churchill on the platform and listened intently to his speech. Churchill began by praising the United States, which he declared stood at the pinnacle of world power, and it soon became clear that a primary purpose of his talk was to argue for an even closer special relationship between the United States and Great Britain. But here is what... Churchill went on to say, in addition to the Iron Curtain that had descended across Eastern Europe, Churchill spoke of communist fifth columns, quote, that were operating throughout Western and Southern Europe, drawing parallels with the disastrous appeasement of Hitler prior to World War II. Churchill advised that in dealing with the Soviets, there was nothing which they admire so much as strength, and there is nothing, they admi- and there is nothing for which they have less respect than for military weakness. Think about that. Um, there's one other thing that I, I want you to, uh, to consider. Just give me one moment to bring it up on my computer screen. Okay. This is a quote from Winston Churchill. When the situation was manageable, it was neglected, and now that it is thoroughly out of hand, we apply too late the remedies which might have affected a cure. There's nothing new in the story. It's as old as the sublime books. It falls into that long, dismal catalog of the fruitlessness of experience and the confirmed unteachability of mankind. Want of foresight, unwillingness to act when action will be simple and effective, lack of clear thinking, confusion of counsel until the emergency comes, until self-preservation strikes its jarring gong. These are the features which constitute the endless repetition of history. That was the speech Churchill gave the House of Commons on May 2nd, 1935, as the war clouds were gathering on the horizon. We need to take a different path 
We need to remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please share my programs, my articles with as many of your friends and neighbors as possible. Get involved. We, the people, hold the highest position in the U.S. government. It's called citizen. It's time we took it seriously. Have a great weekend, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.